Hello and welcome to the Majlis Podcast, Radio Free Appeal Liberty's Current Affairs Talk Show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Mohammed Tahir, host of the Majlis and Radio Free Appeal Liberty's Media Manager here in Washington, D.C. On June 5th, Kazakhstan is headed to a major constitutional referendum that proposes to amend 33 out of 99 articles in Kazakhstan's constitution. This will be the first such move after the current leader took the office and the fifth since the country gained its independence 30 years ago. The proposed amendments envision swiping changes in the scope and the authorities of various government institutions, the parliament, as well as the states of the current and former presidents. The proposed changes come at a critical time on so many levels, domestically, regionally, and internationally. In this episode of the Majlis podcast, we will be trying to make sense of what these changes entail, what it means for the nation, uh, for the future of Kazakhstan as a nation of law in order. To discuss all these, I'm joined by Yevgeny Jautis, the director of the Kazakhstan International Bureau for Human Rights and Rule of Law. I greet Tolyokhanova, independent journalist from Kazakhstan, Colin Wood, Central Asia watcher and contributor to The Diplomat, currently doing her PhD at Columbia University. Bruce Panier, the curator and the author of Radio Free Radio Liberty Central Asia in Focus weekly newsletter. Thank you colleagues for joining us in this important conversation. So let's start with you, Yevgeny. It looks like the day has arrived. I remember we were talking about this a while back on this platform. So what is your reaction to what's coming up on your way? Uh, first of all, we have to keep in mind that it is this the sixth round of amendments. Oh, okay. Because, yes, because the first was in 1998, then 2007, 2011, 2017, and 2019. Some of these amendments were practical, like uh, changing the name of the capital in 2019. But in general, uh, we have to look at this referendum and the amendments which are proposed in two ways. Mm. Number one, the constitution of 1995, in comparison with the constitution of 1993, is much more the document of the, I called it, political sensibility that the idea behind the Constitution of 1991 was to create some kind of super-presidential political system with the full guarantees for the President Nazarbayev. And it was let's say, drafted with the assistance of the French experts, and there was some kind of French let's say, sense in that Constitution of the Constitution of France. And then all these amendments were moving in the direction of consolidation of power, providing more authority to the president to consolidate his power, and so on and so on and so on. That's finally, it's clearly the constitution of the political sensibility. Now, what the current president is trying to do, he's trying, first of all, to make some symbolic or populist move towards the people's aspirations, especially after the January events. And on a, uh, slightly to improve, because clearly the, the restoration of the constitutional court or the ombudsperson, which will be, have the constitutional status, or some changes in the election system from the proportional to the mixed system. These are the, some kind of moves forward. But at the same time, it does not change the system of power. Yes, to a certain extent, it limits the presidential power, sending some his authority to the Senate or so on. But in general, it does not change in too much in the political system. And two provisions, like the land is now property of the people, which will be 
let's uh, managed by the state or the prohibition of the uh, relatives of president to occupy the positions mm-hmm. more populistic type and finally i think that the, what is mostly important that the mention uh, or any kind of provisions which include some kind of reference to the former president are excluded from the constitution. Okay. It means that the current president is turning the page of the Nazarbayev zero through these amendments as well. Mm. Very interesting. Also very rich background, uh, nicely connecting to the upcoming events. Thank you very much, Yevgeny. And Yevgeny, if uh, I heard uh, correctly, uh, was also saying that it was in part to respond to the people's aspiration. That's also interesting. And I wonder what other uh, colleagues think about it. So let me let me try uh, to put it in this way. So um, uh, I agree. So what is your single biggest takeaway from the proposed changes? And then uh, we go from there, uh, expanding the conversation on, on implementation and others. And also, I want to read the brains of our uh, other two colleagues, Bruce and Colin, on that. So I agree. Uh, your biggest takeaway from this proposed changes? Um, I would say that, uh, I mean, if the January events did not happen and In general, if there would be such referendum, still for me, the biggest takeaway would be the name of the first president Mm. that has been eliminated from the constitution. And we can see that even though in general, the design of this constitution is not allowing people to, to do real democratic changes, I think it's designed to eliminate the power of the first president, not the legacy, but at least the power. And to me, everything that is connected to Tokayev's presidency is associated with some urgency, because even since his election, let's say election in 2019, every change that was proposed to society was really fast and really urgent. Like a month was given or a few weeks to change something. And I think it also says about the intention of the government whether they actually want uh, to do something meaningful in the future or they just want to do something for their own personal gain. And in terms of January events, I still believe that the justice was not done in Kazakhstan. Many people are still angry and feel in pain for what happened in this um, tragic event and the government still did not do a proper investigation they didn't release the list of the dead people and lots of other things and i think that partially as Evgeny mentioned that uh, this referendum is definitely related to january events as a, a promise of tokayev for real political changes but i think that the majority of people do not believe that there will be a genuine intention to um, have these uh, changes because if it's being um, offered to change it that fast, I think there is not not a really thoughtful process and reflection process for the people to understand what is being changed and why Mm -hmm. is it important for each individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, these yeah. are my general thoughts yeah. about this. Uh, uh, Colleen, I went through your uh, recent piece for the diplomat about uh, this topic, and you go through some of the specific uh, articles that's being proposed for uh, amendment. I mean, there are certainly striking points that you raised there, and I would like to hear from you for our audience. So, what what kind of strikes out to you in what's being proposed and the way it's being proposed to the people? Yeah, to me, one of Tokayev's biggest pushes has been for local governance, Mm. and we see hints of that in the proposed constitutional changes. 
For example, there's an additional clause added that states that the president cannot override the decisions of Akims at the city or oblast level. But given that as of right now, the Akims in those positions are appointed by the government, it feels a bit of a moot point. And then the one that strikes me as the most puzzling is the kind of half-hearted attempt to give citizens of Almatea and Asama the actual choice of representation at the local level, which has been a consistent demand from activists in Almaty. Um, but to the um, proposed changes, it suggests that there's going to be elections for local Akims of, of the cities and oblasts, but with the caveat that the president gets to choose the candidates who are running. So again, this it really just feels very cosmetic. I don't think that people who were really pushing for local representation um, is actually elected. I don't think that this will please them. Interesting. I, Bruce, I also wanted your thoughts, I mean, your takeaway. Also, please keep it brief, I and mean, we will we will dive into the analysis part of every point you guys are raising uh, in your takeaway. So I'm just try, kind of trying to feel the pulse of the direction of, uh, you know, thinking of yours on the upcoming changes. Uh, so, Bruce, go ahead. Well, you know, I'm going to agree with you, Evgeny. I believe the changes were superficial, and I'm going to mm-hmm. agree with that 100%. If you look at, and Colleen noted in her article, for instance, that they're doing this six months after the... Uh, yeah. January unrest. Think about what people were demanding mm-hmm. on the you know, second, the third, fourth day of the of those protests and yeah. stuff. It, it it wasn't what they're changing really too much. I mean, although it kind of some of it hints at it, but you know, a lot of these parts, especially you know, as we heard, a lot of it deals with the the rights of the first president. You know, stripping those away is really nothing. But it but it does, I suppose, give some consolation to people protesting that there, it seems to be a little bit of revenge on Nazarbayev, that they're taking away all these powers that he had written into the Constitution for himself. And I mean, it was really ridiculous. If you look at the Constitution as it stands now, and I can't remember if it's Article 91 or 92, but they've given Nazarbayev all these titles and rights, even if he isn't president. And then Article, is it, article 91 or 92 says, you can't change any of the articles that have to do with Elbasi. You know, and so he like even wrote in a clause that said you can't change any of the privileges that I just amended the Constitution to give myself. Um, You know, so all right, fine, that's all gone. We're not a super presidential state. We're a presidential state. Sounds good. Probably doesn't mean that much. You know, good that the constitutional court is back, I suppose. But then again, it played a huge role in Nazarbayev dissolving parliament and getting another new constitution passed in 1995 anyway. So there's not... Like I said, I think about what people were demanding when they were more right to participate in politics, Mm -hmm. solutions to socioeconomic Mm -hmm. problems in the country. And then you look at what they got for amendments and you're like, well, there's really not much there that address the core concerns of protesters in early January. That kind of brings me to uh, another question. And Evgeny, you are on the ground, so maybe you are better positioned to respond to this. So what is the general feeling about it, given, as Bruce was talking about, that this thing is happening in the first place in response to or following a, a big unrest or protest? Are people buying it? Are people convinced that they are heard? First of all, let's look at the procedure, how it was done, because the president made his uh, commitments on 16th of March. On 28th of March, he issued the decree creating this commission, Hmm. which was supposed to draft these Hmm. amendments. And uh, the commission was composed mostly of the state officials, minister of justice, some other, and some small group of uh, scholars or academicians loyal to the government and close to the government. Then on 30th of April, the first draft was published when this draft was submitted to the Constitutional Council for review. 
What was interesting that in the draft on 30th of April, the clause about the Nazarbayev was still inside. It was still in the draft. Then on 4th of May, the Constitutional Council published its opinion. And on 6th of May, the draft was published again already without first president in the draft. It was very interesting how it was developing. That it was absolutely closed procedure. Nobody have seen this draft before the 30th of April. And then uh, we saw the second version on, on, on the second draft on 6th of May. And then later this uh, referendum was um, announced. I think the second point which I want to make before answering your question is that I don't think that we are looking at this referendum like approval of the amendment. Mm. It more looks like the vote on confidence to a certain extent to the president. It's about the president. It's, he mm. wants mm. to get some kind of support through these means. In general, of course, the, uh, I'm, I'm uh, looking at the social networks. Of course, it's exactly what Bruce said and what Grim said and mm. Colin, that it looks like this is not what the people are expecting. Yes, of course, to a certain extent, they were very irritated with the f first president, his family, and so on, and he's now excluded and lose some part of his power. But in general, it's changed not so much in the issue of self-governance, in the issue of political participation, in the issue of political system. It's relatively cosmetic, and that's why the question is very funny to the referendum whether you are in favor of 56 amendments in one list. It's, 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 of course, it's got nothing to do with the real <laughs> voting and an informative choice. It's more like, again, as I said, it's vote of confidence to the president, which he wants to put on the table that his amendments are supported by 70, 80, 90% of, of voters. Let's cool, see. Cool, cool. Yeah, let's see how people are going to respond to this in the referendum day. But, you know, also my thoughts uh, kind of comes from uh, what people have been uh, talking about this. And one striking point, which is interesting and maybe unusual in Central Asia, is the article about, apparently, which says uh, the constitution will ban the president's immediate family from holding political and leadership positions in the public. I don't know if I agree with this. Maybe, you know, this article is important in the context of Central Asia. But, you know, if if if, if I were to be president's son, for example, I would be deprived of making my career decision in the direction I choose because my father is a president. But, you know, I guess also, on the other hand, we have seen presidential families misusing their influence on so many levels just to gain favors. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. So on the on that thing, what another thing which strikes me is also the emphasis on the parliament. I'm not sure if there's any particular calculation behind it. I mean, they, they are talking about shifting some power from the presidential office to the parliament. I'm, I'm open to hearing your ideas in terms of what does that actually means in practice. But, you know, this this wouldn't have been Nazarbayev's way, for example. But also other point is that uh, it sounds like there is an effort to silently remove Nazarbayev's stamp from the constitution, as Genia and a number of you were talking about. Um, it's also yet to be seen what Tokai end game is with this effort. Again, the timing of any such move in our region has always hints to understand the motivation behind major changes like this. So let's also look into this uh, from the timings perspective. Finally, in a nutshell, if these amendments are approved, where will this take Kazakhstan ultimately and, and what kind of Kazakhstan we will see under this constitution? So let's continue the conversation talking about these and many other questions very shortly.
First, let me recap the debate uh, today on the Majlis podcast. I'm joined by Yevgeny Jotis, the director of the Kazakhstan International Bureau for Human Rights and the Rule of Law. Igrim Tulyukhanova, independent journalist from Kazakhstan. Colin Wood, Central Asia watcher and c- contributor to the Diplomat, currently doing uh, her PhD at the Columbia University. Bruce Panier, the curator and the author of Radio Free the Liberty, Central Asia in Focus weekly newsletter. I am Mohamed Tahir, host of the Majlis podcast and Radio Free Radio Liberty's media manager here in Washington. Washington, D.C., and we are discussing the upcoming constitutional referendum in Kazakhstan. So let me start with the, the conversation with the question of timing. Maybe, Bruce, you could jump in here. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, as uh, you know, earlier, I guess, Yevgeny was also hinting to that, you know, this the announcement of a constitutional referendum kind of followed after a major public unrest. Uh, but since then, a lot has changed in the country and the region. I don't know if there is any particular indicator here in terms of the timing to understand the motivation, the motivation behind these changes from the Tokayev's perspective, from the Kazakh government's perspective. What's your take on that in terms of the timing, connecting to that with the motivation? I think I think they had to do something after what happened in January to show that that it was possible for them to change something in the way, in the way the country was run that was more in line with the way with what the people were looking for. I, I don't think many people in Kazakhstan are going to be fooled by by what changes are, are coming, you know, the fact that this is going to make a huge difference in their lives personally. I, I don't think it will, and I think that everyone out there sees it. Internationally, it does look like the Kazakh government, if you don't know a lot about Kazakhstan, you would say, okay, well, they're responding to the unrest in January, and they're making concessions and trying to bring other groups and closer to have, at least have a say in the, what was happening in the government, trying to tone down how much power the president had. You know, so like I said, it, I think it's part of this is for international consumption. But, you know, like I said, symbolically, I suppose that, you know, it, it makes it look like the Kazakh government is responding to what happened in January. But what kind of response it is is, is mm. the big question mm-hmm. here. Does so, it really address so, the problems that we that were being voiced in January? So the power shift from the presidential office to the parliament, how we should envision that? What What is really changing there in that dynamic? Okay, I'll be real quick because I want to hear what everyone else has to say about this. Nothing, right? The mm. parliament is packed with, one, the ruling party, Amanat, which was formerly Norotan, mm. has by far the majority of the seats. They mm. were there to back Nazarbayev. They're there to back Takayev. The other two parties are pro-presidential parties. Mm. Now, I know there's going to be some changes to how many people need, you need to register a political party, but until they register a genuine opposition party, mm. it doesn't matter if the president says, I'm willing to give all my powers to parliament as long as they support me and will do anything that I suggest mm. anyway. Mm. Uh, there's no change there at all. Mm. It, it sounds good, right? They have more power, but they use their power to support your policies anyway. So, Any, any other thoughts, Evgeny, on that? First of all, I want to uh, refer to what you said about the relatives. That is why I said that some amendments probably are progressive, but some are typically populistic because mm-hmm. these are typically populistic because there was a lot of irritation towards the presidential family and Tokayev uh, referred to that saying, okay, now our relatives will not like, to be involved in the high political circles or uh, quasi-state uh, economical sector. Uh, I absolutely agree with Bruce. Uh, when you have the full control of the parliament, you could be sure that uh, you will receive the necessary agreement of the parliament for your nomination. Look, that the president is nominating practically all these people whom later the parliament will agree with. That it is, it is not about changing something, because anyway, he will choose the people, 
and then will send these uh, nominations to the parliament, which he, which he controls. It does not change anything. It's not the the uh, real shift of power from the president to the parliament. It's reshifting. It's political technologies in way of let's trying to sell it in the West or to a certain extent uh, to the public, which will not buy it for sure. Mm. Also, I guess this is also another populistic move, the way it sounds to me. I agree. From your perspective, you know, they, ta- they are talking about these changes about the former president, Nazarbayev. Where does this leave Nazarbayev and in his family? I think it's a very gray area because we still don't know whether Nazarbayev is even in Kazakhstan, or what is going on with his relatives, what is going on with the business of his relatives. Mm. But I think it's a quite clear indication, at least sending the public signals that Nazarbayev is no longer in power mm. and that the second president now is kind of consolidating his own power and team to, as he said, create a second republic or mm. something. And I think that um, for Nazarbayev, he probably wouldn't say anything publicly anymore mm. because he's been silent since January events. He didn't give any public comments as he used to as as a as an active politician before now as he said he's just a pensioner and probably for him it's um, unusual because he used to be the sun a shining star of the country uh, and now it's kind of his era is over he's forgotten and he sees that many people actually do not want to see him in power and do not want his association with his relatives or his name in anywhere in the economy. So it, it's an interesting period for him and probably painful one as well. We don't know what's going on, but I'm sure that he understands that um, his time is over and he didn't really probably didn't quit as he planned to quit mm-hmm. as a winner, let's say. Yeah, that's a very, very interesting point here. I mean, Colleen, uh, coming back to you, I mean, if you look into these proposed changes from like 10,000 feet above, what is your take? Like, where does this constitution is, is taking the country? I think a lot of the proposed changes are just undoing changes that had been made under Nazarbayev. From, so what I'm seeing is that like mm. there had been two steps backward, and now this is maybe a foot and a half forward. Like this, this doesn't strike me as the kind of progressive reforms that Tokayev has been touting since he took office. I think I want to talk a little bit too about the the parliamentary shift and and mm. Tokayev signaled that he wants to move away from super presidentialism to one where there's both a, pre- a strong president and a strong parliament. And you're right that when you when you said um, Mohammed that. Um, there is um, an effort to shift away some power from the president to parliament, but even that is artificial. Mm. Like that the the majlis, the lower house of parliament is going to be the sole creator of laws and the Senate, the higher house will be able to approve or reject those laws and not be able to write it themselves. And the Senate then is going to be more packed with deputies that are appointed both by the president and then the assembly of people of Kazakhstan, the um, kind of ethnic government organized organization. And I think that similar to what we had talked about with local governance and this cosmetic change of allowing for Almaty residents to vote for their Akim, but the Akim candidates are chosen by the president himself. This effort to make the Majlis deputies be elected by a mixed system seems pretty similar there, that 30% of the deputies are going to be directly elected. So not through party lists, but just single candidates until Kazakhstan reinstates the ability of 
everyday citizens to run as independents, which they got rid of in 2016 uh, because people were doing quite well and um, having to be kicked out of the elections on on really, really minor technicalities. Um, until there's an actual opportunity for real people to be involved in politics, the, the proposed changes here are nothing new um, and, and nothing that signals um, a meaningful change in, in the distribution of power mm. as it relates between state and society. You know, Bruce, we have been talking about already for half an hour now. I mean, I heard all of you saying like this is nothing more than symbolic, nothing more than cosmetic. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, you know, you know what Tokayev gets away from this? Well, one, you know, OK, it's good that, he had, for instance, the, the law that you can't have relatives working, mm. you know, connected to the government or something, fine, because it, I'm sure someone else here would know better than me. And my understanding is his son doesn't even live in the country and mm. hasn't lived there for a long time, mm. uh, although he might visit. But he, anyway, he didn't have the kind of relatives like Nazarbayev had, the three daughters and their mm. husbands, mm. you know, who were going to tear away the country. So it, it's it's easy for him to, like, to make this kind of, uh, to agree with this kind of law, because he really doesn't have anything to lose from this. So that's, mm. you know, that's fine. What, I, what I'm really wondering about this is, is since we see, right, that it's, it's really all cosmetic and that he's doing this more because he thinks he needs to do something is what comes after that. People aren't going to get what they want out of this, let's face it. There's, most people aren't really going to get anything out of this at all. And, and if they do decide to protest, does he then have a basis to say, you know, we just had a chance to change that. We just changed the Constitution. So uh, we, we tried to address some of these issues. So there's really no reason to protest. Even though, as, as Genia uh, very well went through the chronology of this whole event, the public never had any input on this. It was done very quickly. I made mention of that earlier. These things happened very fast. But the public had no input on this at all. But I bet he will use it further down the line when there's there's some kind of unrest or criticism or something to say, you know, we, we just changed the Constitution. Uh, we, you know, if people had problems with that, um, they should have voiced them then. But but now we have a whole new system. And, it, you know, we're a listening government, right? Isn't that their big mantra? even though they didn't want to listen to the people for suggestions for mm-hmm. constitutional amendments. But it gives him some reason to say, you know, we, we just change things to make people happier. And why are you still complaining about what's happening in Kazakhstan? Can I, can I add something yeah. to that? Sure. Or, yeah. I actually wonder whether in Almaty we will see protests and maybe, maybe even sanction protests. I mean, uh, after January, Almaty residents demanded that Sagantayev be removed from office. The, the Almaty mayor, the Akim, mm. he was and was swiftly replaced with another seasoned politician, Dosayev. But people on social media were joking that the first sanctioned protest that Dosayev approved was one against him. <laughs> like it was criticizing mm. him. It was criticizing the whole system of how, how these are elected that it strikes me as different in tone and scalability than the Je- uh, June 2019 protests and definitely the January protests, that it seems like a low stakes thing to approve and shuffle it away to the movie theater, where which is the, the single allocated place for protest. That if anything, it gives them uh, almost an, an opportunity to look, say, look, see, we are improving, we are reforming and let the let the seam out. But it's hard to, to, to predict that's how those things will go. Uh, I get him. Yes, you know, he's going through this uh, whole cycle of referendum, right? But as Bruce was uh, earlier hinting, I mean, w- what's important is what comes after this. So what are some of the things that you will be keeping your eyes on in terms of what comes next? I think that we should definitely pay attention to 
the civil society hmm. because it has changed over the couple of years and actually what Colin was mentioning about Dosayev approving the protest against himself, I think that in partially it's because he was forced to do that because people were just so angry and hmm. if um, there would be another refusal for hmm. their right to protest, they were afraid that something bad might happen. Hmm. I think that um, civil society in Kazakhstan is reaching the point where people are getting really frustrated with the whole political system and they're ready to step up and give their own suggestions. I mean, I've just recently been talking to activists and um, many of them, including uh, scholars who studied abroad, they send their suggestions to the government how to improve legislation, for example, how to, um, I don't know, they just legally upgrade themselves. They know why the government cannot refuse them a protest. They know all the laws and it's going to uh, be like that. I think like the fact that the referendum happens doesn't change much, but the civil society is changing and I think they will demand more from the government and eventually government is will be forced to act on something that uh, public demands. But the, another question is whether to what extent it will be allowed, because maybe like the Kazakh government would allow a lot of things, but we have a geopolitical situation as well, which is quite alarming. And you never know what our neighbors might be not happy with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Very interesting point. And I also would like to hear, you know, others' uh, point of view on that in terms of what comes next after this uh, stage. June 5th is planned for, for this referendum. And uh, we say that this is mostly about, you know, this uh, cosmetic changes, symbolic changes. In practice, how it lo it's going to look like yeah. when they implement that. Yevgeny, what are the areas yeah. you will be looking at? First, I think that what we have to take into account mm. that uh, when uh, Mr. Takayev was appointed as a president or mm. then, and then was elected as a president, there was a lot of expectations. Mm. But he has some kind of excuses, like there are two centers of power. There is former president who allegedly probably too conservative and not provide him the opportunity to make reforms in reality and so on. Now, after this referendum, situation will change because in reality, for me, this referendum is amendments of the constitution. It's not too much about the cosmetic reforms, political reforms. It's about the end of the 30 years of the Nazarbayev's rule. That it's now for the whole society, the message that Nazarbayev has gone, period. Right. That there is no him, himself and his family. And now, Mr. New President, mm. you have the full <laughs> freedom, you mm. have free hands mm. to, to make the reforms, yeah. that the, the level of expectations will be much higher. Mm. The uh, civil society, uh, I agree with Igerim, the civil society is uh, developing, especially the young generation, especially through these January events. Mm. And now I think what we could expect, not the, some uh, real political changes, but the temperature, the context is changing because there is now no former president, his family, and his influence on the on the politics in Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. And this is a very important message because 30 years, one generation was living under the same president for 30 years, and now he is over. Mm -hmm. What Tokayev could and should do, to what extent he has the political corridor enough between different elite groups, different clans, different interests, it's very difficult to say, but situation after this referendum will change because in mm. the constitution and with this referendum, 
it will be the end. They keep uh, issue the end of the Nazarbayev zero from my point of view. That's very, very interesting point. Maybe we should end the conversation there. Like the way I understand Evgeny talking about is if nothing else, this gives people to say, okay, okay, Mr. Tokayev, this is now your Kazakhstan. This is, you know, your constitution. So deliver us now what you have to offer. I mean, that's a very interesting point. Bruce and Colleen, finally, I wonder your thoughts in terms of the, the question of what next, what are the areas you guys will be looking at in terms of where we go from here. So let's start with you, Colleen, then Bruce. Great. I mean, fully, fully agree with everything that Evgeny just said. I would add in terms of like, I'm not going to make predictions, but in terms of, I guess, practical things that I'll be hmm. paying attention to is with the new constitution that outlines a new makeup of parliament. That means that there probably will be parliamentary elections, snap elections announced pretty soon end of the summer um early fall and in the past the, the last time that there were parliamentary elections in, in january 2021 there was some contention around those and some protests but i think that like reading the party list who is Amanat putting up who are these um, kind of pro-government but ostensibly separate parties putting up on a party lists who are the candidates that are running is there any room for some of the like for new parties to be formed that will um somehow get a chance to participate in elections. I just read an article that Olja Sudimanov, who was very big in the Nevada Semipolatinsk movement in the late Soviet years and was a pretty high-profile politician, ran for president against Nazarbayev, or tried to in, in the 90s, he is trying to form a party. So maybe we'll see a handful of new parties. And um, I don't know that I would say some semblance of competition, hmm. but maybe a wider range of characters who will be running. So that's what I'll be paying attention to. Very interesting. Bruce, jump in yeah, on the same question. Also, you know, share your... Uh, Uh, thoughts on anything that I might have overlooked in this conversation. So with that, we are going to conclude the conversation. I mean, I, I think Colleen hit the, hit the main points. One, yeah. I'll be watching what public reaction is, but but I agree, because there's a new constitution, they're almost yeah. certainly going to have new parliamentary elections. And I would suggest that it'll probably be really quick, too, because there's a yeah. key issue of uh, do you actually register opposition, genuine opposition political yeah. parties? Yeah. And like I said, you know, the, the parliament's packed with pro-government deputies already. There's been several different position parties that have been trying to register for months, even more than two or three years, they've been trying to register. Are they actually going to get registered? Or, you know, and I would doubt that they're going to make it in time. That's why I would figure they'll probably hold parliamentary elections pretty quick. And um, just so that there isn't time for a genuine opposition party to register itself. It's also Balata Bila, you know, and, and uh, Jean Balat Mamai, who's been on the program before, and people like that. But I doubt they're going to get a chance. And then at that point, again, how is the public going to react? You're going to have a new parliamentary elections with pro-presidential parties mm-hmm. and no opposition parties registered. And so what was the whole point of changing the Constitution <laughs> exactly? Interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I guess uh, with this, we have to conclude the conversation here. So thank you very much. Yevgeny Javtis, the director of the Kazakhstan International Bureau for Human Rights and the Rule of Law. Aigrim Tolyukhanova, independent journalist from Kazakhstan. Colin Wood, a Central Asia watcher and the contributor to The Diplomat. And Bruce Spanier, the curator and the author of Radio Free Radio Liberty Central Asia in Focus weekly newsletter. Uh, so thank you, colleagues, for your time today. So with this, uh, this is it from me, Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free Radio Liberty's media manager and host of the Majlis podcast here in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm.